When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Now we were going to do a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast and Mary Kay even put a call out for questions. But then about an hour later, Kevin Stefanski made it official. Baker Mayfield will not play on Sunday against the Bengals and he's going to have surgery ASAP. So I, I kind of called an audible. So I apologize to anyone who sent in questions that we didn't get to. A lot of them had to do with Baker anyway. Uh, I, I just felt like it was important for us to kind of look back now that his season was over and try to put it in some kind of perspective. So that's what Mary Kay and I did on today's podcast. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, it's a lot more than sending us in questions. It's a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. Of course, that's the definition of daily. What can I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, okay? Access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And it is being one of our text subscribers where you will get news, analysis, uh, all sorts of stuff texted your way. Uh, throughout the day about the Cleveland Browns. So football insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, uh, news today, I guess... We sort of were expecting it, but weren't 100% certain it would happen. But Kevin Stefanski did make the decision to sit Baker Mayfield, or, well, maybe it was a collaborative decision, to sit Baker Mayfield in Week 18 against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Baker Mayfield, as he told us on Monday night, is going to have surgery scheduled to repair that torn labrum in his left shoulder uh, as soon as possible. So... I guess just when Kevin comes on the Zoom call and tells us that, what was your initial reaction? You know, I really wasn't surprised. Just a couple of hours earlier, I wrote a column saying uh, that they should shut him down and that he should have the surgery as soon as possible. And uh, glad I got the column up before Kevin died. (laughs) But um, no, I mean, we could see it coming. Uh, If you read between the lines, obviously that what Baker was basically saying last night. I mean, he's going to come out that strongly and say, now it's time for me uh, to take care of my own interests and my own health moving forward. And I'm going to talk it over with my agent and my family. Well, then you really know what's coming. But this was the right decision because, uh, you know, he did get sacked nine times yesterday. Uh, We're taping this on Tuesday. Uh, He did get sacked nine times in that game. And as we've talked about so many other times before, any one of those sacks can result in another dislocation. A further dislocation can result in a broken bone or a more severely broken bone, and that could lead to a more serious surgery. As it stands right now, uh, the recovery, the full recovery to be back to 100% football action should be somewhere about four to six months. Now, I've talked to people today who think it could be a little bit shorter than that because it's his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, So therefore, Uh, You know, he might, you know, he might be back doing full football action, you know, three months from now. Uh, So we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, it was the right decision to do it now. No reason to put him out in harm's way anymore. 
especially as challenged as they are at those tackle positions. And we've seen how the Bengals can get after it. Are you surprised it took this long? Well, I don't really think that he necessarily should have played in Pittsburgh. Once they were out of it and knowing uh, that Pittsburgh was really going to bring it, uh, at that point, I, I think that they probably should have uh, taken him out of that game. But he, he practiced, he took the reps, and you know it was kind of a longer week so that they had a little extra practice time. Case Keenum did not have any of the first-team reps. It probably wouldn't have been that fair to yank Baker Mayfield out of that uh, starting lineup for last night. But in terms of happening any sooner in the season, you know what, just knowing Baker Mayfield, the way that we have gotten to know him over these four years, I guess I'm not surprised, even though I wrote a long time ago that I, I think he should have considered shutting it down a lot sooner. He's just not that way. I mean, this is almost a contract year for him in some ways. And also, um, you know, he wanted to try to get this team into the playoffs, a return to the playoffs. And I know he felt he was their best chance to do that. Now, as it turns out, with, uh, you know, Alex Van Pelt telling us about, you know, the harness, handcuffing him and hindering him and all of that, maybe it would have been better off to, um, they all would have been better off if he had shut it down four or five weeks ago. Yeah, it's just, I, I'm curious how we're going to look back on this ultimately. And, and maybe some of that depends on if Baker is here or not. Uh, you know, maybe they move on and it's just sort of a, a footnote to how Baker's career ended in Cleveland. But I do wonder if we're going to look back on this and, and say, like, man, somebody needed to step in. Either Baker need somebody in Baker's camp needed to step in and say, hey, shut this down for a couple of weeks. Or somebody on the Browns coaching staff or medical staff needed to step in and say, maybe we should shut this down for a couple of weeks. I mean, you know, we saw Arizona do it kind of with Kyler Murray. I, I don't know. I, I just, I wonder if, you know, when, once we kind of get to that hindsight is 2020 part of, of looking back on this season, if we're going to say, what were they doing running him out there every week like that? Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, if you look over his last, how many ever games, I don't have them up in front of me right now. I can pull them up in a minute. Uh, but if, if you look over uh, his last five or six games, you will see a lot of ratings in the fifties, ratings in the fifties, plenty of them. And that's about half of where you want to be at the end of a football game, right? You want to be up over 100. So to be in the fifties, all of those games and to put only 17 points on the board in 10 of the last 13 games uh you know none of those things are good and I think that uh you know I think Case Keenum could have done just as well if not better than ratings in the 50s and 17 points consistently I I think he he could have now he wouldn't have a, had a ton to work with either the receiving core is very challenged this season the tackles are either not there anymore or not having a good season so the conditions are not right for good quarterback performances but somehow I, I still think that they could have gotten better quarterback play out of someone had they played case him or or Baker Mayfield somehow some way they should have been able to do better than this so Kevin Stefanski didn't want to reflect on the season today when he was asked about Baker Mayfield but um the, you know the reality here is his season's over. Baker Mayfield's season is over. So these are the final numbers. 14 games, a 6-8 and eight record, 
a 60 and a half percent completion percentage, 3,010 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Obviously, none of that is up to the standard of quarterback play in 2021. Uh, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, a 60% completion percentage was fine and 3,000 yards, but that's just not the way the, the game is played anymore. So Kevin didn't want to reflect on Baker's season. I, I think maybe now's a good time for us, since it's officially over, to reflect on his season. So I guess, I, I, however you want to do it, if you want to grade it, if you just want to give an assessment of it. What, what did you think of Baker Mayfield's season here in 2020? Well, I think it almost has to come with a little bit of an asterisk, doesn't it? Because we truly do not know uh, what Baker Mayfield would have shown up had he not injured, torn the labrum in week two and played the rest of the season with this clunky harness. We don't know what Baker Mayfield would have looked like had he had uh, a number one bona fide X receiver. I mean, he played the whole rest of the season without an X. I mean, that's like taking Jamar Chase away from Joe Burrow. That's like taking Devontae Adams away from Aaron Rodgers. He did not have that guy. And I think it was so hard uh, to run the offense without that afterwards. I think that uh, that's when the, when defenses really stacked the box and dared Baker Mayfield to throw because they knew that he was off and they knew that there really wasn't too much to worry about in the passing game. And that's just unfortunate because remember at the beginning of the season, this was really truly going to be the pick your poison season. Everybody was supposed to be healthy. Everybody was back. The offensive line was intact, intact. Baker Mayfield was in the second year in Kevin Stefanski's system. They were going to build on all the things that they did last year. And it all went to hell in a handbag. And it went down fast, didn't it? I mean, it went down fast to the point where I don't know if there is a point of return. I, I don't know. Right now, it feels to me like the answer is no on that. That is what it feels like right now. But we're still in the heat of the moment. And sometimes cooler heads prevail as you go along. Uh, so I can't honestly say that I think it's 100% over yet. But it's on life support. I think it's on life support. Um, as, but as far as the season is, his season is concerned, I guess I would give him a, maybe like a, a C minus D plus with an asterisk of, we're not really sure who you are after this season. Yeah. With the, with the injuries and, and the circumstances, it's tough to, to put like a really tough letter grade on it. You know, I, I think you're, I think you're in the ballpark. You know, I don't think you can give him an F just because of all those circumstances. Like there were a lot of things that were out of his control. And I just think back to that Kansas City game where he played pretty well. He made some throws. He turned the ball over at the very end. And that sort of felt like if this is the Baker Mayfield, the Browns have a guy that can distribute the football, move the offense, they're going to be able to beat most teams that aren't. Now, Kansas City wasn't the Kansas City we see now, but they're going to beat most teams that maybe aren't expected to win the AFC or go to the Super Bowl. And they're going to be able to hang with the teams that are. And, and then, of course, it was in week two. And that's what makes this complicated. Week two is when he injured the, the shoulder. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like we have four or five games pre-injury to work with. We have about five and a half quarters. Yeah, and it makes for a very, very difficult evaluation. It really does. I mean, even when I talk to um, – Lewis Riddick, the ESPN Monday Night Football analyst, 
Uh, he's a former Brown safety. He's been in pro personnel for, for many years. Uh, he was the director of pro personnel for the Eagles for a while, and he has interviewed for GM jobs and might end up with one one of these days. So, you know, he knows how to handle these types of situations. And he said that he would not want to be in this situation that the Cleveland Browns are in because they have a really difficult decision to make, as we know. Baker's under contract next year, fifth-year option, 18.858. Um, and all those numbers that you rattled off, what was the, what's the rating? What's his rate? It's 80. Uh, the rating was 85. I got to find it here in pro football reference. Here was a rating 83.1. 83.1. His QBR was 35.3. Those are bad numbers. I mean, those are really, really bad numbers. But once again, uh, are we pinning all of that on, on Baker Mayfield? Or, I mean, look what happened to him in that game in Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, that he was not necessarily set up for success in that game, different game. If you've got Kareem Hunt, you've got a healthy Nick Chubb and you've got Jack Conklin in there. So uh, really difficult to say, you know, where this is all going to go, but uh, it's, it's a tough, tough evaluation. And, um, and there are extenuating circumstances and we'll get into those too. I mean, there's a disconnect. There is an obvious disconnect between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. And it's just, I'm, I'm been putting it out there. It's there. It's real. And it needs to be resolved. Yeah. Well, screenshot Twitter is kind of all over Baker today. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of talk of, and there, there's videos out there of like, he's got these clean pockets and he's holding the football. And then three seconds later, that's when TJ Watt sacks him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, that's an issue with Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff are sitting there and watching this tape and saying, these guys are open and you're pump faking and you're double clutching and the ball's not getting to these guys on time. Then, then that's, that's probably where that disconnect starts. Yes, it, and it could. And, but again, you know, sometimes you see the screenshot and right. it's not exactly how it worked out when it was time to release the ball and all those kinds of things. But I do think that he is, uh, you know, double clutching and hanging on too long because he's looking out there and not seeing great options. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just, it's not a good situation right now. I can tell you that when he looks out there, as we mentioned before, he's not seeing Jamar Chase or Stefan Diggs or Devonte Adams or Justin Jefferson. He's not seeing that. Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, I think Jarvis Landry is gone. Don't you, Dan? I think uh, not only have we seen potentially the last of Baker Mayfield, which again, it's not over yet, but, um, but I think we've probably seen or we will be seeing the last game uh, in Cleveland Browns in First Energy Stadium uh, for Jarvis Landry. I don't think he's coming back here. I, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it at $16.55 million cap hit. Uh, so something's going to have to change there too. But, um, but yeah, this was just not, this was not a, a passing game up to the standards of the 2020s. You, you've got to be good. So, so let me ask you this uh, because, it, you know, you've mentioned Jamar Chase and obviously that Bengals offense is loaded. Uh, you know, the offensive line is still shaky, but, but the offense itself is absolutely loaded with weapons and you get Joe Mixon and T Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd. They, they just have guys everywhere. So these are the numbers that Joe Burrow put up in that offense, obviously 10 and six won the division. 
How about this? 70.4% completion percentage, 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And I believe the interception numbers have come way down for him too. Uh, he has not thrown an interception in his last four games. Uh, so he's thrown two, three, seven, 11 touchdowns and no interceptions going back to week 14 in, in that loss to San Francisco. So I, I don't think Baker puts up those numbers. If, if you switch spots and you put Baker in Cincinnati and brought Joe Burrow here, I don't think Baker puts up 70% and 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns. But he would look better, obviously. Like he would certainly look more like the Baker we saw at the end of, I mean, I suppose at the end of 2020, or at least at the end of his rookie year. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really tough to get a handle on it. It's really, really difficult because the Baker supporters would tell you, and I think they have some merit with this argument, uh, is that if he had uh, a better supporting cast and if they were using him differently and calling plays differently, uh, that he would be a different quarterback. And we have seen Flesh is a really good Baker. I mean, we have seen that. Some of that, you know, came against inferior defenses and bad pass defenses and stuff like that. But, I mean, he was a, a confident play action, roll out, hit your man, be accurate, nail, nail the pass, you know, throw with confidence, throw with moxie, get it there in a hurry. And he's not that quarterback right now. He's not really doing the whole play action rollout game. That's not happening. Uh, I think teams have taken it away to a certain degree. And the Browns at other times just don't seem to be running it for whatever reason. So really not too sure about that. But um, I don't know. It, it's, it's shocking to think that he has fallen this far. And that he is the owner of those numbers you are reciting. An 83 rating, that's horrible. That's not even really starting caliber. You know, to end up with that, that, that is not good enough. Um, but I do have to wonder if there isn't a lot more of the good stuff in there that we just were not able to see this year. Yeah, so, and, and here's where here's where Burrow excels, right? And this is where Baker, I think, would have trouble running that system. Burrow is 92.4 rating under pressure. That's the third best in the NFL this year. And he just thrives when there's pressure. And I think we've discussed this before. I, I don't think Baker thrives in that system, especially when you start adding in pressure. I think that's when the ball starts going the other direction. Um, and, and I guess that's I don't know. I, I guess that's the, those are the decisions the Browns have to make here. And as we kind of assess this season and try to figure out, well, was it the offense? Was it the weapons? Was it the quarterback? For me, I, I kind of just keep coming back to the quarterback and it sure feels like that's where the Browns are, are sort of leaning right now too. Yeah. Well, you know, depending on who plays against the Bengals <laughs> on both sides, um, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit of data on that. Um, but it would, you know, depend on if the Bengals are playing most of their starters. So you have to always consider who, you know, who the opponent is and who they are playing against. Uh, but if the Bengals play most of their starters and the Browns are reasonably healthy, um, and we don't know about that yet because Nick Chubb suffered a rib injury and there are some other injuries. Um, but if they're reasonably healthy and we see Case operating the offense differently, then that will be some data to throw into the hopper. 
if, if he's getting the ball out quicker and, you know, not getting sacked and he's finding the open man and completing some passes and demonstrating some chemistry with some of the guys, then that can inform if Baker is more of the problem than some people have been willing to admit. Or if it still looks like a disaster, you know, maybe we could look out there and say, well, nobody could run this offense. Nobody could be successful with what's out there right now. So I think, uh, I think it'll be a, a good learning experience on Sunday and also a really good opportunity for Case to put some good film out there because who knows what his future is now too, right? I mean, if the Browns, uh, if they decide to go out and upgrade at quarterback or even if they don't, I think Case's future is a little uncertain. Yeah, that's um, it'll be interesting to see if they. I'm assuming they're going to go with Case, but I don't, maybe they surprise us all and go with Nick Mullins to to get a look at him or something. Not not as like your starter, but as you know, maybe your backup moving forward. That that's kind of an interesting thing. So normally we do the Hey Mary K Pod. We ask for questions from our Football Insider subscribers. As you can imagine, most of the questions were Baker focused. Uh, there were a few on Kevin Stefanski, so I do want to touch on this one. We framed this as a choice, you know, Kevin not getting along with Baker. There were a few textures that threw out the scenario. Is there any situation where Baker is the guy that gets chosen in this? I, I don't think there is. I think we've kind of touched on this just a little bit in previous pods, but let's at least just put it out there. There's not a scenario where like the Haslams are like, nope, we're choosing Baker. I don't think so because he doesn't have the numbers or the career to support that. And I certainly don't think that they want to blow up an entire coaching staff. I mean, if you start doing that, then you're, you know, you've got a lot of guarantee, you know, you've got a lot of money out there to pay to all of these, you know, coordinators and all these assistant coaches, as well as Kevin. No, I, I don't really see that happening. I don't see that happening. Um, I don't think that Baker Baker's performance this year warranted or trumped the the head coach right now. I agree. But like I said, we had, we had a few people kind of throw that out there, and I, I figured it was something that, that we should address as as we kind of go through this. So, what what do you what do you think it takes for Baker to be back? I, I kind of I framed it in one of my texts today that like maybe maybe it's just a matter of necessity. Like they go through this process, and there's just you know what there's nothing there's nothing else out there. Come on back, Baker. Let's make amends. Yeah, you know what? That That is on the table. That is one thing that can happen. Uh, but in order for that to happen, Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski are going to have to put their heads together and get to the point where they can coexist and, and work together, you know, cohesively and, you know, get along and, and feel good about working with each other. That's just going to have to happen if these guys are going to move forward together um so yeah i i don't know we'll have to see uh you know if they're willing to do that and now he's going to be recovering from a surgery so he's you know probably not even necessarily going to be around here or not around here very much so when would they have this opportunity to have this powwow that i keep talking about that they need to have i mean We've talked about this already. They have decisions to make a little quicker than some people might think because stuff is going to start happening with the veteran quarterbacks soon. 
I mean, as soon as the season ends, you're going to have talk of who's going where. And you have a number of guys that have, you know, put it out there that they want to be somewhere else next season or kind of hinted around that they wouldn't mind being somewhere else next season, including Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. What do they do about that situation? Do they stay away from, from that with every single fiber in their being? Do they explore it? Do they let it play out legally and then dive in if it seems like, you know, it looks like he didn't do anything wrong? I mean, you know, that's a difficult, that's a really difficult situation. Um, so yeah, these are some of the things that they're have, going to have to consider. And, um, you know, then there's another tier of quarterbacks and that's like the Kirk Cousins and the Derek Cars. You know, you'd have to trade for those guys, but those opportunities might become available. So my gut tells me that they, that that's what they'll try to do. They'll try to jump into the quarterback market in February or March and see if they can't upgrade and then kind of go from there. Yeah. So th- this decision we talked about earlier comes at a very interesting time. Um, I-, I wonder that how, how much of this decision, because we're, we kind of are looking at a situation where Baker was okay to play on Monday and suddenly not okay to play on Tuesday. How much of this decision do you think had to do with just kind of maybe Baker wanting to get out of the spotlight, maybe the Browns wanting Baker to not be in the spotlight, just sort of take the spotlight off of all of this? Because like you said, now he's going to go get surgery. He might go back to Texas. You know, if he doesn't get the surgery this week, Kevin said he would be around the facility, but obviously he's not going to be out there. You know, he's not, he's not the starting quarterback. So he's not going to talk to us on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day of the week. He's not going to talk after the game. You know, I said on the podcast post-game pod, we might've talked to Baker in a Browns uniform for the last time. Do you think there was any of that to this decision too? You know what? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really, really hard to say. I think more so than anything, um, it was a safety issue for Baker Mayfield. You cannot, I mean, what would the organization have to, you know, have to be saying today or next week if he goes out and gets hurt against the Cincinnati Bengals in a completely meaningless game and has to have uh, a more extensive surgery because he dislocated the shoulder and he broke the bone in there again. And now this time there's bone fragments. And so he's got to have pins and screws put in there and he's going to be out 10 months instead of six months. How would that have looked? That would have looked bad. And I'm surprised it didn't even happen yesterday because like I said, I would not, I probably wouldn't have played him yesterday. And once I saw that they couldn't protect him, I would have gotten him out of there. He's got a, pretty significant shoulder injury. He's got a fully torn labrum in there. He can't afford another dislocation. So I was kind of surprised that they kept him in there as long as they did. I think they can justify this decision based on the health aspect. Cincinnati can get after you. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a a TJ Watt, but Trey Hendrickson has 75 pressures. He's got a a little sack streak going as well. Uh, He's fourth in the league in, pressures among edge rushers. Sam Hubbard is 17th in pressures among edge rushers. We saw that they were able to get some pressure on Mahomes. I mean, that, that Cincinnati front, Larry Ogunjobi's having a nice year. Mm-hmm. That Bengals front can get after you. It's not quite the Steelers front, but it's pretty good, especially Hendrickson. 
Yeah. And there's blood in the water now. I mean, if you can see that all you have to do is get around James Hudson and you're <laughs> golden and you can pad your sack stats. And I mean, look, TJ Watt might end up breaking Michael Strahan's single season sack record of 22.5 set in 2001 because of that game that he had yesterday against James Hudson, right? It reminds me back when Miles had the four and a half sacks against the Chicago Bears in a game where they did not put Justin Fields in a position to succeed in that game whatsoever. And they just let him uh, just get sacked nine times by the Browns. It was kind of a similar thing. Um, and, you know, you, you really can pad your stats with something like that. And that's what happened. I mean, TJ Watt now at 21 and a half blew past Miles Garrett for NFL defensive player of the year. That's not even in question anymore between the two of them, but certainly the Cincinnati Bengals are going to watch that tape and they're going to make the Browns pay until they prove that they can protect their quarterback and not let him get killed. And so I guess we'll see what Cincinnati does here moving forward. If they want to play Joe Burrow, he got banged up a little bit at the end of that game. And they still have something to play for because, you know, if they're, if they're concerned about seeding, um, you know, they could maybe try to avoid the Patriots if they wanted to, I guess. I, there, there's some things they could finagle if they played their starters, but you know, now that the Browns have sort of shown their cards a little bit, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Bengals do. Uh, maybe we'll get another Brandon Allen game like we did back in 2019. It's all just repeating itself, Mary Kay. Everything, you know, 2019 is back. You know what, Dan? We do not need a repeat of 2019, <laughs> right? I mean, can you even believe, I can't believe that, that we are here having this discussion right now, that Baker Mayfield's season is over. I mean, two days ago, the Browns had an opportunity to go out, potentially, or three days ago, had, a, had an opportunity to go out and potentially win the AFC North. Think about that. That was just a couple short days ago. A really freaky finish to the Cincinnati Bengals game did them in. Now, I still don't think that they would have gone into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. Once I saw that they really did play with all the emotion that we thought they would, uh, I don't think that there was any way the Browns were going to be able to, to overcome that and win that game regardless of what happened in Cincinnati. However, Kareem Hunt probably plays if they had everything on the line. Maybe you run Nick Chubb a little bit more, even, even though he's not feeling all that great. Um, so anything could have happened, but it's just so bizarre to me that just a couple of days ago, they had everything still in front of them. And now we are already thinking about the draft and who the next quarterback of the Cleveland Browns might be. And it's just mind blowing when you go from the wild card game, 48 to 37, and just the stark contrast to what came one year later when they ensured in Heinz field in Ben's last game, that they were going to have a losing record this season, a losing record. <laughs> it's just yeah. amazing. I mean, it's sad for Browns fans. I feel bad for Browns fans because this is a downer. This is a real downer. And it also comes at the same time when, uh, you know, when Rubio tears his ACL for the Cavs and everybody was so excited about the Cavs, you know? So I don't know. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland needs some uh, new life in the, uh, 
in the sporting world right now? Well, you know, and the problem is people can't watch the Cavs right now. This is a Browns podcast, so I guess we don't need to talk. But people can't watch. I, I like I can't watch the Cavs right now, so I, I don't even have that. So they, they got to get that fixed too. They got to get the they got to figure out the quarterback situation, and they got to get the Cavs back on uh, all these TV providers so we can all find some joy in our lives here uh, as as we head into 2022. Yeah, because it was it's been fun. I mean, it, it was it's always on in my house, and. Um... And they've been fun to watch. They really have been fun to watch. There's some guys with some personalities and, um, you know, they, they play well together and it's, it's a fun team to watch. Um, and it was sort of a feel good thing until the whole Rubio thing happened. But um, so, I mean, I guess the thing to, you know, to focus on now is the hope that you can land one of these really good quarterbacks because there's nothing in the draft. And that's why, Dan, it's not, it's not a foregone conclusion that Baker's done. It's not a foregone conclusion. And we discussed this a little bit on our post-game pod last night. I've seen situations that seemed like there's no going home after that. There's no turning back. There's point of no return. It can't happen. And lo and behold, it happens. It happened here with like Derek Anderson, you know, and different you know, in different players where you just think there is just no way Josh Gordon, there's no way that this could ever move forward again. And you know what? The season ends, things change. You look at other alternatives, not just the Browns, not being able to acquire one of the really good quarterbacks that they will probably try to acquire, but Baker Mayfield, who has been disillusioned with the whole Browns situation and how he's been used and all that kind of stuff, you know, he might look around and think, hmm, maybe staying put and dealing with the devil that I know is better than the devil that I don't know. And I will tell you, Dan, there are a lot of dysfunctional football teams in the NFL, right? Yes. I mean, you think that from the outside looking in that it, like things are going pretty well with that team. No, I'm just telling you right now crazy there's just a bunch of crazy people in the nfl Um, i mean not just a bunch of crazy people in the nfl but there are a lot of egos there are a lot of alpha dogs there are a lot of personality conflicts and what you think is bad here might not look so bad to you if you ended up in a place that is really dysfunctional because i've covered dysfunctional rounds regimes like really bad ones you have too yeah I, I don't think dysfunction when I see this. I really don't. I mean, I know we talked about the Baker dynamic, the Baker coach dynamic, but I don't look at things and see dysfunction. But, yeah. but look, you you know, I mean, the NFL, it's a bunch of rich, very rich, very ambitious people. <laughs> yes. And, and people that are, you know, again, egotistical in some cases and, you know, alpha and all kinds of things go on out there. And not everybody is... Um, Not every organization is set up the way the Browns are right now, where there is alignment, where your general manager and your head coach are on the same page, at least for the most part that we can tell. Uh, I don't think that there is nearly, there isn't nearly the the dysfunction in the building uh, that there was in the, you know, the Hugh Jackson, Sashi Brown years, and even the John Dorsey years, you know, with 
Freddie Kitchens and, you know, Paul DePodesta and that, that whole situation. And Andrew Berry was here for some of that. I mean, it's not like that at all. So, you know, I think Baker, you know, might want to keep that in mind that the grass might seem greener somewhere else, but you never know. I mean, you never know if this is the best opportunity for him to start football games and he is the best opportunity that the Browns have for a starter for next year. Stranger things have happened. I, like you said, this is not a great, we're not seen as a, as a great quarterback class, but I'm not ruling out the draft option. If the Browns, I mean, look, if you go get Aaron Rodgers, you go get Aaron Rodgers or even like, I, like I said, we've talked about Derek Carr on this pod too, but I'm not ruling out the idea of just finding a fit. So maybe he's not like, you know, again, like Mac Jones, finding that guy that fits what you want to do. There's always been that idea floated out in analytic circles of, could you kind of keep churning your quarterback? If you don't have an elite top 10, top five guy, could you kind of churn those rookie contracts until you find that guy? And I just wonder if, the, if there's a guy that the Browns look at and say he can come in and from day one, he can run this system efficiently and move the offense and we can spend a bunch of money around him. Mm-hmm. If that might appeal to them, depending on, depending on how the elite quarterback, like the guys that are no brainers, you would go get that guy if you can, depending on how that shakes out. Yeah. I mean, I think teams are demonstrating uh, that, you know, that that strategy can work. I mean, look at what the Rams did with Matt Stafford in making that trade and upgrading in that way. I mean, in some, in some cases, you know, it might just be better to try to get that proven winning veteran instead of trying to develop a young quarterback all over again, or maybe you develop one behind. Um, but I think teams are, are showing that you can, you know, try, try some different things until you hit upon uh, the winning formula, the winning solution. And so there are a bunch of different options for, for how you might want to go about this. What I don't think you really want to do is settle for a, you know, mediocre rookie. I don't think you can really do that uh, because that's not going to get you where you want to go with this team right now built to win the way that it is. I mean, you're going to, you will lose your locker room so fast if you try to plug somebody in there uh, that can't go out there and pick up this offense and win football games for you. I think, I think the town needs a pick me up. I think the defense needs a pick me up. I think new receivers that you might want to attract want to see that there's something uh, pretty substantial going on here in the quarterback room. Uh, so I think that they're going to have to try to do everything that they can to land a good veteran quarterback. All right. Well, there we go. Our news of the day here on Tuesday was, of course, Baker Mayfield. His season is over. Uh, He will have surgery ASAP, as Kevin Stefanski put it. They'll get that scheduled. Uh, And it will be either Case Keenum or Nick Mullins or who knows. Maybe there's somebody else we don't even know about who's going to start. Maybe they'll just wildcat. I don't know. I guess Kim. I don't know if Dearness Johnson will be back. But maybe they'll just wildcat Jarvis Landry the whole game or, or something like that. There we go. Let's make it a Jarvis Landry game. Let's have some fun. Line up Jarvis at quarterback. Sure. As long as it, you know, again, it might be his last game. So why not have a little fun with it, right? <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Like I said, 
uh, football insiders with the news. We, you know, I, I decided to call an audible. I wanted to talk some Baker today since his season is over. I thought we needed to spend some, some time really getting into that. But uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. And of course, make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.